so let me talk to you about Tommy John. You know, they've been around for 15 years. That means for the past 15 years, the world has been a whole lot more comfortable. Because when you wear Tommy John underwear, you're so comfortable, you can do everything better. I don't know what you get for a 15th anniversary crystal, maybe, I think. But it is, I will say, crystal clear that you deserve to be unbelievably comfortable each and every day in Tommy John. This is underwear that moves with you thanks to breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. So it's not hard to see why they sold over 20 million pairs and have thousands of five-star reviews. People love Tommy John. You're going to love it too if you get some. You're going to love it. Uh, They don't have customers. They have fanatics. I'm one of them. I love this stuff. It's backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free. Guarantee is the most comfortable boxer briefs. There's just no downside. They're great. They're comfortable. Their loungewear is awesome as well. You're never going to want to wear anything else. Uh, Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Beck. 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash Beck. TommyJohn.com slash Beck. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Well, we've got a few things that uh, we want to talk to you about uh, today. We have Tom Fitton on with us in a few minutes. He is with Judicial Watch. The Biden administration, we now know through uh, FOIA, was involved in the raid of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Now, they told us they knew nothing about it. I found that hard to believe because you would want the president of the United States to know that a former president is going to have a raid on his home. It made no sense just in decorum. Uh, However, no, no, no. It wasn't that they were notified. Wait until you hear the latest on this just broke yesterday. Also, I want to tell you the story of a 19-year-old girl that everyone, everyone should know her name when we're done. Maybe you will tell her story. Her dad is on with us in 60 seconds. Relief Factor. Reggie wrote in about his experience with Relief Factor. He says, I just started using Relief Factor only a week or so ago. I had a fair bit of pain throughout my body the past few years as things just catch up to me. Recently, it got bad enough that uh, I felt I really had to do something about it. I heard you talking about Relief Factor, so I figured, why not? Four days, four days. That's all it took for me to start feeling so much better. It is so amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for writing in. Thanks for just trying it. Look, if you're in pain, it may not work for you. But 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. So just try the three-week uh, the three-week trial pack, the quick pack. Now, here's the thing. 
You take it as directed. If you're not seeing any results in three weeks, stop taking it. But 70% of the people are seeing results. Relieffactor.com, 800, the number four relief, 800 for relief, or relieffactor.com. I saw a story um, about Grace uh, Shara. It is a, um, a story about a family and a daughter, a teenage daughter, 19 years old, in Wisconsin. I want her dad to tell you her story. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Uh, first of all, tell me about your daughter. Well, that's the, that's the most fun part for me. She was, she was a special gift from God. She was 19 when he took her home. She had Down syndrome. She was extremely high functioning. You know, God made her that way for one. We, we never vaccinated her for two. And my wife is extremely gifted in homeschooling and, and mm. she homeschooled Grace. And so Grace did everything. I mean, she hunted with me. She drove a car. She played violin, um, rode a horse. Uh, just, I mean, there was nothing she didn't do. The sky was truly the limit with Grace, and and uh, you know, we we miss her, we miss her terribly. She was she was our life. Scott, when did she get sick? Well, we we tested her with a home COVID test on October first of two thousand twenty one. And we just thought she had a cold and that test tested positive. The purpose of us testing her at that point was because we were going to go to a wedding. And if she had COVID, we didn't want to spread it at the wedding. But, you know, what what happened next was we were uh, following the FLCCC protocol. So she was on ivermectin and vitamins and we really didn't think anything of it. But we were also monitoring her oxygen saturation level with a pulse ox and the oxygen saturation went down to 88% on October 6th. Mm. And the protocol uh, suggested taking her to the emergency room and admitting her to the hospital if oxygen dropped below 94%. So we did that. Sure. And so that's ultimately what, what the sequence of events after that led to Grace's death. But if we would have never taken her to the hospital, um, Grace will be alive today. So when you got to the hospital, what drugs did they give her? They did a low dose steroid for, for one that was part of the, the COVID protocol at the time and then oxygen. But then what happened is the drugs that killed her, they put her on a sedation med called Presidex. And that sedation med has a package insert that says to not use for more than 24 hours, because if you do, it causes acute respiratory failure. Well, when Grace's last day on earth started on October 13th of 2021, she was already on this sedation med unknown to us for four full days. And if you looked at Grace's death certificate, you'll see that's the first cause of death, acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia, which is a direct cause for using the sedation drug for more than 24 hours. Why would they, they why would they use if you go in for covid, why would they use a uh, a drug like Presidex that 
that gives you uh, problems with with breathing and hypoxia? That's a fantastic question. You know, I can't know their answer to it, but through my research, I have found that there's three reasons that they do it. Number one is their their goal is to get the family or the patient to approve a ventilator because that's where the big financial gain with COVID was. So uh, you have to have a patient sedated in order to put them on a ventilator. So once the patient or their family approves it, they want to do that right away. Uh, so that's the first reason. The second reason is the classification of the room changes. So in Grace's case, she never changed rooms, nor did the care change, but the amount of money the hospital received changed because the room was classified then as ICU. And then mm-hmm. third, which maybe is the most significant reason, is if you, you know, when I was taken out by an armed guard on October 10th, if I would have just said, I've had enough, I'm taking Grace with me, they would have raised the, the it's called AMA against medical advice objection and to try to put up a screen to, to refuse me taking grace with me. So those are the three reasons that I know, but I mean, I can't know their reason. I mean, the, the records, um, yeah, it, it's when you review the records, Glenn, it, it shows a picture where they, they justify every single thing they do. Uh, you know, you asked me what other drugs. I mean, they so they combined Presidex with lorazepam and morphine. Oh, my gosh. That's really, yeah, that's what really makes this egregious. So Presidex wasn't enough. They took lorazepam and morphine, which those three meds are contraindicated, and they injected those in Grace's body in a window of 29 minutes. And that truly is the second cause of Grace's death, even though they listed on the death certificate COVID-19 pneumonia. What was happening that they had to put those all in her body at the same time in the 30-minute period? Well, that's another fantastic question. You know, the morning started with the doctor calling my wife, Cindy, and I at home saying, Grace had such a good day yesterday. Let's work on nutrition and let's get her out of bed um, so that she can get out of here in the next several days. Let's uh, have her watching TV you know, everything was, was fine. But, you know, interestingly is while we were on the call with him, they literally took the Presidex up to the maximum allowable dose. And simultaneous with hanging up the phone, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace. So, you know, I draw my own conclusions from that if you want to hear them, but, you know, it doesn't make any sense at all. My daughter Jessica was with Grace at the time. She said how great of a day Grace had the day before, and Grace's oxygen was at 98 and 99% the entire night in spite of being sedated the night before she died. So none of this makes any sense whatsoever. How could he have put a DNR on your daughter? Only you can do that. Well, that's, of course, one of the reasons we're filing a lawsuit. You're 100% right. But, you know, you cannot, um, I mean, you know, these, these liberals operate outside of, the, outside of the law. And then you're left to sue them to get justice. And it, it's ridiculous. Why, why can't they play by the same rules that you and I are subject to? Have you had any nurses or anybody come out quietly to support you? Uh, interestingly, um, yes, but also no at the same time. I'll give you an example. About two months ago, a nurse 
who lives next door to a reporter who reported this story early on, uh, said she had originally told the reporter this man's lying and lying about the DNR order. Well, then her own dad got a DNR order put on him. And she's not only was the nurse in the hospital, but she's the power of attorney. So then she called the reporter back and said, he's not lying. This is what happened with my, with my dad. I talked personally with that nurse and asked her if she would come on and talk about this with me because people are dying. And she said, I'm 66 years old. I'm a year away from retirement. I don't want to jeopardize that. I mean, so this is what's happening. People are, they don't want to speak out. I, uh, I have a daughter of special needs and, um, She has changed my life. She is the best of our family. Um, people that are born um, differently abled is, is God's miracle. Um, and she, I've learned so much from her. And my, my eldest daughter, my second eldest daughter, when we took the kids to uh, Auschwitz to walk through, she couldn't stand uh stand it past the room where they had taken all the artificial legs and everything else but my daughter with cerebral palsy stood there and she looked at me and she said dad they would have killed me and i said yes honey they would have we are experiencing now euthanasia in canada like you've never seen they are starting to allow children to ask for medicine to die and without uh, any kind of permission from the parents. I don't know this doctor. I don't know anything about it. But I will tell you something isn't right here. And if we don't all stand up for life and especially those lives that too many arrogant, haughty, uh, know-it-all doctors and nurses who just look at quality of life and think, I wouldn't want to live that way. They have no quality of life. They have no idea. And those people cannot be the ones in our hospitals. And we are starting to churn them out at our universities. We are starting to... Um, just become a culture of death. And I don't know, honestly, Scott, I don't know how your story uh, has taken so long to get to my attention uh, or anybody else's attention. How can we help your family? There's a number of ways, and I, I just want to comment because you said a mouthful there, and people do not realize it. You know, you made the reference to World War II. It wasn't until after World War II that the medical staff, the health workers that were tasked with carrying out that agenda were tried. And, you know, we're in the middle of World War III right now, and the healthcare workers are doing the same. And, you know, that's why we're filing this lawsuit is to be one of the people who are standing up to stop this. This behavior is has got to be stopped. And you, you're 100% right with the medical schools are churning out 
the staff to believe in this. And we, we found a document from the Palliative Care Association of Wisconsin that is training medical people. And it says that whenever possible, decision makers for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment to make key palliative care decisions. So they, want, you know, they set this up by saying there's a lifelong toll on families by having a Down syndrome child. There is a lifelong blessing Absolutely. to families. It's it's insane. This is what is being the the propaganda and the programming of medical staff is a significant piece that is literally happening live and nobody knows about it. That's why we're out speaking about this every chance that we can. So you asked how can people help? Um, we set up uh, a give send go. Uh, we we have a web couple of different websites, but the website that people can follow to track Grace's story is uh, www.gracesherra.com, and you can put in your name and email address, and we're sending out regular updates to track the story. And then the website that has my research on it, uh, and also you know just hundreds of pictures and videos of Grace is ouramazinggrace.net. So I'd encourage people to to visit that website and share the story. That's how you can help because we're doing this to save lives. And the more people who become awake to what is really happening, the more lives that will be saved. We don't want Grace's death to be in vain. God is is clearly using Grace after her death, and you know, we're humbled to be part of that. Scott, I have uh, so much respect for you and your wife, and um, uh, please count me in as someone who will help you in any way uh, that uh, I can. Uh, your um, mission, and really Grace's mission, uh, is very godly, and... Uh, I think it is the number one thing that we as a nation need to face, and that is uh, the defense of life, because it is becoming all too cheap, and too many experts are being churned out that uh, remind me of old times that I thought we were never going to forget, but apparently we have. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Glenn. You bet. Um, Grace Shara is the uh, website. That's Grace, S-C-H-A-R-A, graceshara.com. If you can, uh, go there, get the address for the Give, Send, Go. Anything that you can uh, donate will be helpful. These guys have a big fight ahead of them in Appleton, Wisconsin. Mm. Well, as we're here talking about the uh, uh, protection of life, let me tell you about preborn. You know, I talk to you about a lot of things. I talk to you about a lot of scary things. And most people are worried about the economy and everything else. I am not. I haven't said this to you this plainly. 
But if we don't change course, we are going to be a scourge to humanity and to the planet. We are going in very dark places. And saving every life possible is not just important because it's life. I don't think that we could do anything in our life that will be more important than saving those who are in dire straits that people are trying to kill, whether that is doctors or whether that is so-called doctors at abortion clinics. We have to change people's hearts. We'll never shout this down. So the Ministry of Preborn believes in responding with love and compassion and free ultrasounds, and they meet moms with unplanned pregnancies right where they're at. Most of these people, they don't know what to do, and they feel very alone, and they feel trapped. Well, you're not, if you happen to be listening, and that's how you feel. You're not. When you hear the heartbeat of the child that you have growing inside of you, it is life-changing. If you would, could I ask you to give $28 for an ultrasound? Uh, because that will pay for it for people that don't have the money to do it. Every tax-deductible donation, big and small, helps save babies. I want you to dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash back. Preborn.com slash back. 10 seconds, station ID. I, uh, I hope you're planning on attending with your family, if you can, uh, the museum that we are putting on. Uh, there is a part of it that I, I think will change lives. Um, and I, I so want you to see it, and it's kind of in regards to this. You can get your tickets. The museum first time on the road is going to be in St. George, Utah, the week before and the week of July 4th. Go to unitedwepledge.org and get your tickets. Unitedwepledge.org slash tickets. Make sure you reserve your space. The tickets are going fast. The Glenn Beck Program. Wouldn't you... uh, Wouldn't you give somebody you love and care for food that has the best nutritional value? I think we try to do that with our dogs, but we buy into so much advertising that we don't know what's up and what's down. For instance, kibble food. Did you know that kibble food, everything that's good for your dog has been cooked out of it? It all has to be sterilized. So imagine uh, living your life on basically a McDonald's hamburger that never molds. If you put it up in on the uh, windowsill, that's kibble food. That's what we've been giving our dogs. Now, kibble food can be okay if you put the supplements with it, the vitamins, minerals, the probiotics, the antioxidants, all the things that have been cooked out of it. It's Rough Greens. Try it for your dog. Get your first bag free at roughgreens.com slash back. Roughgreens.com slash back. All you pay for is shipping. R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Beck. 
Call them now and get your first bag free at 833-GLEN33. Tonight, it's Studios America and Glenn TV back-to-back. Don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code is STANDUP to save 20 bucks. I'm just looking at the um, the website here about Grace, who had uh, Down syndrome, and uh, it appears appears as though the doctors pretty much just killed her um, by the prescriptions that they did. And, you know, I don't know, so I don't want to make those charges. I just know something's not right here. And uh, and this, you know, we, we heard doctors during COVID say, why should we even treat people with COVID if they didn't get the vaccine? We shouldn't even treat them. They're not worthy of being treated. Um, the uh, Give, Send, Go, just go to Give, Send, Go and, uh, and search for The Sky's the Limit. The Sky's the Limit. They're, they're trying to raise $100,000. They're at $22,000 right now. And I, I know this audience could do that. If this touches your heart, um, they really need to have the best attorneys uh, possible and get down to the truth of what is happening and uh these hospitals cannot change dnrs they don't have the right to do that um and we have to be we have to be strong on this or we're in real real trouble i uh i had my producers reach out to tom fitton uh today because there's a story about the Biden administration and how it was involved in the raid of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, despite claiming that they weren't involved. Uh, And I know that uh, Tom will be able to give us the ins and outs of this, because as I understand it, uh, it is um, much worse than them just lying to America. But I, I don't know if I understand it. Tom, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Glenn. Good to be with you again. Happy Thank you. Easter. Thank you. Happy Easter to you. So, so Tom, tell us the story of of what is is happening. What the um, what the uh, FOIA documents are telling us. Well, the National Archives have been releasing records in about once a month, uh, but withholding about ninety percent of the records they actually have about the raid on Trump and the attack on Trump over these records issues, and that's because of a Judicial Watch lawsuit. And our friends over at American First Legal was looking at these documents, too, because they had also asked for them. They hadn't sued yet, though. Um, And I said, well, here's further confirmation that the Biden White House was instrumental in moving this case along. And it's the documents are further confirmation, because there have been reports on this earlier, that, you know, the only way this whole um, uh, investigation, uh, which ultimately resulted in a raid on Trump's home, could have proceeded was with the acquiescence or and intervention by the Biden White House. And specifically, there was a dispute between Trump and the National Archives and the Justice Department. Well, who had the right to review these records? And Trump said, you know, the archives, you just can't send them over to the Justice Department without the President Trump's permission. They're his records. He has authority over them. And the Biden White House said, no, that's not correct. 
uh, we're going to order their release. So that was like the key trigger that allowed the Justice Department to get into these records and start creating this fake criminal um, uh, uh, noise around it uh, that resulted in the raid. And by the way, the raid was objected to by the FBI. And according to other reports, since, you know, you know, it's been kind of buried in the last few months, uh, it would never have happened. But for the Justice Department, Biden political appointee intervening and making it happen over the objections of the FBI. Okay. So the FBI is running away from this. We have further confirmation that the Biden White House was instrumental in key parts of this investigation to keep it going against Trump. And what does this all mean? We're all looking into New York as, oh, that's a terrible, abusive, harassing prosecution of Trump. Well, it's going on down here because there's a special counsel who's who's trying to jail Trump or thinking of ways to try to jail Trump based on this whole mess that I'm talking about. Okay, so the the archives, I guess, asked for a special access request or was that the DOJ and what is a special access request for the White House? They needed records. They needed to access the records of Trump. And they call it a special access request. And that's not supposed to happen unless it is directly related to something in the White House daily agenda or something like that, right? Yes, but, you know, in the end, though, it's the president who gets to make the decision because they're seen as presidential records and the current president under the current rules that were changed, by the way, by Obama, if I recall correctly, uh, he has, you know, he has ultimate authority is to decide whether the White House, quote, needs to see them or in this case, his Justice Department needs to see them. So that's the argument they're going to use to push back. We had reason to believe these there were records there. Uh, that were classified and were at his home and shouldn't have been, and we need to figure out what went on. And so that's that's the debate. But, you know, they would tell you this was all just, you know, civil servants just doing their due diligence. No, this was, they needed the intervention of the Biden White House to escalate this unprecedented dispute in a way that brought in uh, criminal investigators. Well, they 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 said at the time, that Joe Biden found out when the rest of America found out. I mean, they have lied about this over and over again. If it was no big deal and they really were concerned, why didn't they say, yeah, it was a special uh, a special request because we thought there was something damaging in there? Yeah, you know, and, and of course, his White House counsel would have had to approve this or the top folks in the White House. And, and let me just just to make a hopefully more clear to your listeners until the white house did this this was an administrative dispute between the archives and trump trump said you know these are my you know here are the records the archive says we got them and then you know they were battling back and forth as to what was in them and what should be reviewed by the justice department and the biden white house intervened to allow a criminal investigation of trump by the justice department it wouldn't have happened but for White House intervention. And now we have further confirmation with these FOIA documents that, yeah, the archives said, you know, the White House wanted this special access, as we we're talking about earlier. Special access means we want the feds to go after Trump. 
So one other thing on this, isn't this exactly what the Democrats accused Donald Trump of doing, but there wasn't any evidence in that perfect phone call uh, where Trump calls Zelensky, they accused him of trying to dig up dirt using his power as president to dig up dirt on somebody that was going to be uh, running against him in the next election. And that was the big scandal. But here we have it. We have the actual evidence. The smoking gun is here. Isn't it the same exact same thing that they accused Trump of doing? Yeah, it, it's it's smoking guns because this has previously been known. We have archives confirmation of the White House involvement in escalating this case to a criminal case and a criminal inquiry and an intelligence investigation. Uh, it's rather extraordinary. I mean, has this ever happened with any other presidents in the past? No, no of course not, because as Judicial Watch found, to its chagrin 10 years ago when we asked for Clinton's sock drawer t- tapes that Clinton was keeping in his sock drawer of his presidential activities, everyone just deferred to the former president. The Justice Department went into court and said, if they have records after they leave office, we presume them to be personal. Hmm. They did a 180 to go after Trump. It's, it, I'll tell you, if it's not going to be Bragg, it's going to be this Justice Department or it's going to be Fulton County. It's all part of the same piece, which is novel applications of the law that have never been used before to target Trump. And this is what this whole records dispute is about. So, Tom, we have them doing this everywhere, everywhere. Um, Merrick uh, Garland, he was he was talking about this under oath in Congress. He lied about all of this. He's lied over and over and over again, and it's verifiable. And yet. Nothing happens. What do we do to get our rule of law back? Well, you know, that's the challenge, Glenn. And, and, and I would submit that Congress can shut it all down by leveraging um, restrictions on the abuses and spending money to abuse Trump and other innocents through the debt negotiations. You know, what, what, is the, what, what are we using this debt fight to, to fight about? Right. Fiscal fiscal spending. Well, that's important. But, you know, we could have a balanced budget. But if we're all being thrown in jail for political reasons, it's not going to do us much good in terms of having a Republican form of government. To me, there's urgency in shutting down this politicization, this turning our Justice Department and justice system into the American equivalent of the KGB. We can't have it. And do you see the movement on Capitol Hill taking this seriously enough to be able to win that budget argument? Well, I see Jordan obviously taking some steps to put pressure on Bragg, but this is, as we are talking about, it's a Justice Department FBI issue as well. And I'm not, I'm not seeing, maybe you are, no, um, but I haven't heard much noise from the Hill about what they want from the debt negotiations other than some fiscal fiscal restraint, which is yeah. good as far as it goes. Uh, it may be necessary, but it's far from sufficient given the current crisis. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. I, I, I really um, uh, look to you for guidance on things like this. You have tons of credibility, as does Judicial Watch. So thank you thank for you all you're much, doing, sir. Tom. You're appreciate welcome. it. Judicialwatch.org. Mm-hmm. 
All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about your shooting skills. If you are a shooter, um, you need to keep up your skills because they are perishable. I want to talk to you about Mantis X because Mantis X isn't just point and shoot at a target. That is important. But if you could have a Marine gun instructor sitting next to you and giving you advice on every single shot, and that advice was solid because he could show you what your hand was doing uh, when you pulled each trigger pull, uh, that would be fantastic, right? That's what Mantis X is. Mantis X is a uh, program and a device you put on the end of your gun, and you don't have to have a target that you're shooting at. You can drive fire or you can live fire as well, and it will record exactly what's happening in real time and show it on the screen. You put your iPhone or your, your iPad there. It will show what your hand is doing as you pull the trigger. You get better so fast because it shows you. No, it's that's not what you were doing. What you actually were doing was this. It'll give you instant feedback and 94% of the shooters improve within 20 minutes. I know I did and I'm a pretty good shot. Mantis X. It's like having a firearms instructor right in your front pocket. Start improving today. Get yours now at mantisx.com. That's mantisx.com. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. Hello and welcome to the uh, program. Um, there is um, there's an article uh, at uh, Geopolitical Futures, uh, and it's by George Friedman. Now, George is the guy who was at Strat4. Uh, he's a deep, deep thinker and has been very, very um, uh, clairvoyant on everything, but has been positive. He just uh, released this, The American Crisis Intensifies. Uh, he, I'm just going to give you the last uh, part of this. This leads me to conclude that the model I used in the storm before the calm has to be slightly modified. The transition points in political life had since America's founding been 50-year cycles, 80 years for institutional shifts. The pivotal moment has, uh, uh, has been the election of a president. I assume this cycle would be part of the same and therefore that the last presidential election before the end of the decade would be the pivot point. I should emphasize that while presidents are important, they are not the driving force of history. The driving force is the patterns of division built around social, economic and institutional issues. It is the major division and massive dysfunction that forces a fundamental shift on all levels. One president presides over this shift, leaving the new president with the credit. I do not believe the situation will hold beyond the coming election. The brutal social issues from race to gender to guns create a public division that affects the functioning of government. Uh, relations within the political system at all levels are increasingly venomous. The financial system has left an economic crisis. 
as forecast, the technological system will soon become increasingly inefficient and the public appetite for its goods will be in decline. The financial system portends economic decline that will breed increasingly desperate and simplistic solutions, drawing further capital out of the financial system. For the first time in history, the institutional cycle and the social cycle will coincide. While wars tend not to influence domestic cycles, the impact of the Ukraine war will likely be magnified. The current political system cannot manage this situation. A solution must emerge now to be presided by over the next president. It is impossible to explain all of the details of systematic failure or the need for a new political order. At this point, the only thing that can be said is that we are headed into failure and the new president, filling everyone with joyous hope, will oversee what must be done. But what must be done remains murky, taking its bearing only from the breadth and seriousness of the failure. This is the conversation all of America should be happening, having right now. We should be sober adults that talk to one another and say, this is impassable. Where do we go from here? What do we have to do? Let's go back to basics. Can we do it, America? The Glenn Beck Program.